part of growth is you have we have to learn how to interrogate ourselves. It's so asking ourselves the question, what's the story I'm telling myself about myself right now? That's important. And that that's just that's the entry point, right? And so if you're like, I don't want to look stupid, why is my goal to not look stupid? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, nobody wants to look stupid. I never want to look stupid, but but what's going on there? If I'm going to get vulnerable about me, probably my greatest insecurity is to be told that I'm not smart enough. Mm-hmm. Today on the podcast, we're going to explore questions that help us identify what's driving us beneath the service so that we can find our true identity in Christ. Well, it's fun that we're already talking about week three of this series in 1 Peter. It's been uh, really encouraging to me to hear from a lot of our small group participants Mm. and small group leaders about how much they're enjoying the opportunity to go a little bit deeper into this book and and keep some of the conversations going and and really wrestle through what they're hearing in the weekend services. And uh, it's been great getting an increasing number of questions and comments from people, both in the lobby and emailed questions that are coming in. People are hungry to, to yeah. wrestle through this material. I love that. I It gets me excited that people are excited about digging into God's Word. That's, that's why I'm a pastor. Mm. That's why, I mean, if I could go back in time like 20 years ago and tell... You know, tell me 20 years ago, you know, this thing that you want to do, you you love the Bible, you love Jesus, you want to help other people love it too. You get to be a part of that. Mm. Well, a fun unifying thing of what I was picking out from some of the questions and comments that came in this past week mm-hmm. is that people are really wanting to not just know what the content of First mm-hmm. Peter is, but they're really working on how does this practically play itself out in in our everyday lives. Yeah, awesome. And, uh, yeah, Love that's it. exciting. Love that is it. kind yeah. of our goal, right? Mm-hmm. Is to uh, not just know the word, but to do the word. That's right. Yeah. 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 That's been exciting. Although I have to say one of the, uh, the more fun lobby conversations I had this last week was someone who was saying, it kind of feels like Peter didn't really have an outline for what he was about to say mm. <laughs> as he, as he yeah. sat down and wrote it. It seems okay. like some of his topic is a little bit uh, jumbled. So I might, uh, I, I'm going to steal for myself in advance. I don't know if this is going to make it into the message this coming week or not, Okay, but I, I kind of get it. It's like, can we go back in time to the 80s? The Karate Kid. Did you watch The Karate, I love Kid? The Karate Kid? Oh my goodness! I was a huge fan of The Karate Kid, and it made it gave hope that every kind of boring dorky kid could be a hero. <laughs> you know, if he just learned the the it had the right karate mentor. But it part of the uh, part of the Karate Kid um, story is he's wanting to learn karate from Mr. Miyagi, and Mr. Miyagi gives him all of this work to do. So he's got to paint the fence. He's got to sand mm-hmm. the floor. He's got to wax the car. And what, he just kind of throws his his hands up in anger one day, and he's just like, I quit. I'm not doing this for you anymore. You, you're making me <laughs> your slave, and you're supposed to teach me karate. And then all of a sudden, Mr. Miyagi's like, all right, I want you to He's like paint the fence and, and – uh, and so he throws a punch and he shows how that blocks the punch. And so they start sparring and he's using all of these all of these movements that he's been learning through these activities. And yeah. he realized, I have learned karate. There's a there's a madness to the method going on here. So there's a little bit of that, I think, just kind of like this Mr. Miyagi approach mm-hmm. with Peter. Mm-hmm. The whole theme, I think we go to um, chapter five, verse 12. I've written to you briefly to encourage you 
with the true grace of God. This is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. So Peter is just constantly reinforcing throughout mm. this whole letter what the true grace of God is. And this is about knowing who you are in Christ, mm. right? It's so... Uh, that's the theme. That's the that's the thread that's running through the whole letter. It's like this tree, right? Mm-hmm. And each branch is a different kind of application. It's so it's all about knowing who you are in Christ, and this is how it looks like here, and this is how it looks like there. So, listen, this is who you are in Christ, right? So that's why you are going to actively get rid of these five sins. You're going to work to get rid of them in every kind, you know, malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Not so that you can be in Christ, but because you already are in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to keep And So we're going to, I mean, we get real talk this coming, ne- this, this coming week. Over the next few weeks, it's going to be, I think it's going to be very practical, very, uh, very helpful, very challenging. It's, I mean, it's going to be I mean, mm-hmm. it's getting real. It's getting real. <laughs> it is. It is. It is getting real. But it's all an application of living out what it means to be in Christ. So that's the theme. And so, if it feels like we're bouncing around, it's these are just different branches coming off the same tree. It's all about your identity in Christ. It's the true grace of God. This is. These are different ways that you apply it. Thanks. That's a helpful framework and maybe a nice way of of looking at it. So that if it does seem like Peter's going off on uh, one direction that didn't feel like it connected with the prior paragraph. That uh, we can just kind of orient ourselves that that's the branch he's looking yeah, just at right thinking, now. What does this have to do with who I am in Christ? And look at it through that filter, and I think I think we'll see that it's mm. that's very helpful. So one of our small group leaders wrote in this last week and said that they had a great discussion about the concept of suffering for Christ. And uh, in week two's sermon on the second half of chapter one, you had talked about the the verse about suffering and if necessary, or you may have had to suffer these That's things. Right. And you That's had a right. great point in there about that uh, what produces our suffering is not as important as the purpose in it. That's right. Absolutely. The purpose, uh, the the purpose it for us is for us to grow to be more like Christ mm. and to praise Him, to rejoice in Him, and to to glorify Him. So we want to be more like Him, and we want to show Him off. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you do. You remember? It was. This feels like a long, long time ago, um, but uh, it was uh, Leith Anderson preached, and uh, and it was kind of my first weekend here. Mm. The next weekend was going to be my first weekend as pastor, but it was my first weekend here. And uh, he spoke and John Steer spoke and John Steer literally handed off a baton to me in that service. It was like before anybody had heard of COVID. And the the next week our world would flip upside down. But but Leith Anderson talked about making Christ look good. That's right. I remember that. And that's mm-hmm. what Peter's talking about. So yeah. this is this is our purpose that even even in the suffering, right? We're going to rejoice in him, we're going to celebrate him, we're going to be grow to be more like him. And when other people see how we're responding and navigating suffering, we get to play a role in helping him helping him look good. Mm, and so that's, that's why that's why we ask the question. And I know it's a tough question. And I ask the question, I don't even like my own question. But the question is <laughs> Am I willing? Am I willing for Jesus to display his glory against the backdrop of my own pain? Yeah. And that's a serious question, right? Um, and you know, we all we, we're all going to have to we're going to have to wrestle with that, but when when Christ gets glory, I always get joy. Mm. Those things are always connected. Nice. And I'm called I we go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 a lot around here. You'll like 
I go back to it a lot. We're compelled by the love of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 14. But as we work through the rest of that chapter, Paul talks about that we are ambassadors of Christ. Mm. We get to represent him. Mm -hmm. And that's what we are remade for, Mm. is to do that. Love it. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to ask you this question uh, from the small group kind of in two parts. Yeah. And the first aspect of it is... What does it look like to be intentionally suffering for Christ? Not in a in a martyr kind of way necessarily, but uh, yeah, they not. threw out <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, they threw out some kind of fun examples. Is is this when you are like a mission minded person who's maybe choosing to live outside of of your comfortable community? Hmm. Is it uh, aspects of living beneath your means so that you can support the work of of ministry or or others? Mm-hmm. Or I like this example. Does it mean that you have to work every week in the toddler nursery? <laughs> <laughs> That's you know what we've got a lot of babies around here. We're, we have and more so, every week. We've it's got amazing. so many. We've got so many babies and and uh, and and pregnant ladies around here. It's like the the sanctuary is becoming the toddler room. And, and I don't say that as, as a as a knock. I th- I love I love getting to be a part of a church where there are so many uh, young families yeah. and little babies. It's and, wonderful. Uh, yeah, and, and we, we're we're kind of wrestling through this right now. If everybody dropped their babies off or their toddlers off um, on Sunday morning. I'm not sure that we have capacity for all of them. There's a lot of opportunity to get There's, some good baby snuggles I, right now. My goodness, yeah, I love babies. If my <laughs> wife were issue tell you, I love babies. So I don't, I don't see that as the as the suffering. But other people, <laughs> other people, other people might. Um, I don't know. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> are those exact? Are those ways? I'm that we those, can I just, man, I'm thinking about smelling baby heads right now. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> I just, I just like, I like a clean baby, not a baby that just had a milk vomit. But, all right, let's rein it in, Rick. Come I on just back. Love, I just love holding babies when they're all like lotioned up and just smell their heads. And yeah, I love that. All right. No, no, no. Put the baby down. We're trying to talk about suffering here, dude. All right. All right. All right. What is it? What does it look like to intentionally yeah. seek suffering for the sake of Christ? Yeah. Sometimes it is, I'll hurt so you don't have to. And that's a that's a disposition, and uh, I think every every parent knows what that is like. I think mm-hmm. everybody who really loves somebody else knows what it's like. I'll choose to hurt so you don't so you don't have to. Um, we don't ever choose to hurt so that Jesus doesn't have to, but we might say, "I'll I'll choose to embrace discomfort for your purposes because I think your purposes are so much better than mine." And so I'm happy to I'm happy to do that. I'm not happy about the discomfort, but I'm happy about what I get to participate in. So let's say uh, let's say I choose to live beneath my means. I think everybody's got to cap their lifestyle at some point. Mm-hmm. I mean, every it doesn't matter how much or how little you make. Everybody everybody has to cap their lifestyle at some point. I think it's a beautiful thing when people choose to say, all right, this is the cap of my lifestyle. No matter how much money I make above that, um, I'm not going to live above whatever this line is. It's so that I can use the rest, uh, what I make above that to serve, to serve things and invest in like God's, God's purposes, invest in the mission, um, invest in the good of others. I think that's a beautiful thing. And you might experience some discomfort or there might be times you're like, I would really love to do this thing. I'd really love, um, to go and enjoy that, but I'm going to say no to my own pleasure. And I have to experience some kind of discomfort whenever Mm -hmm. I say no to me so that I can say yes to something that I think is even, even better. That would be an expression probably a long way away. It's not persecution. 
Um, I think Peter was absolutely writing to men and women who were experiencing persecution, and yet these things kind of live in the same neighborhood. Jesus, I'm I'm happy. I'm so much happier to be a part of your purposes Mm -hmm. and making you look good instead of living for me. Mm -hmm. And so at times it's just going to say, I'm saying no to me. At other times it's going to mean other people are saying no to me and they're trying to harm me, but I'm not even going to back away from that if that's what it means to to align with Christ. But unifying both of those things Mm -hmm. is saying yes to God and his purposes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I want your purposes more than I want my own. So let's shift into identity, because if, if if understanding our true identity in Christ is kind of the unifying theme of this whole book, what does it look like when uh, you, you had some great points about like when we're squeezed, what's inside is what comes out. You had some yeah. helpful what comes questions. Out is, whatever comes out of me in that moment was already in there. Mm-hmm. It's so like if I was going to ramble on for a long time in the sermon, I'd be like, you know, this is why I'm going to contradict myself here. But I think in an acceptable way. Let's see, is that allowed? <laughs> All right. So I should never apologize and say, that wasn't really me. No, that really was me. Mm. That really was me. But that's not who I am in Christ mm-hmm. at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. In Christ, I am, I'm holy, I'm righteous, I'm new, right? I, I want to be aligned with Christ. So that I just contradicted what my identity is in Christ. But what I just did, it really is something that's a part of me. It came out of me. So there's some suffering involved when yeah. you realize there's there's stuff inside of us that we don't want there. And, that's right. And that those things are the things that are coming out. And, and there's a denial to ourselves, especially mm-hmm. if the things inside of us are those things that we have been turning to for our own significance or security or satisfaction. Um, it can hurt to let go of some of those things. Yeah, I don't want to belabor the word suffering. So maybe other words are better. Just experiencing hurt, mm-hmm. uh, experiencing grief. Absolutely, those sometimes those might be better words to use in this conversation mm-hmm. than suffering. Is there a way that we can take that discomfort, that hurt, that grief, that frustration, even, and orient our minds to to doing that for the glory of Christ? Oh, absolutely. What does that look like? Well, I think what it looks like, and you might need to help me here because I have a tendency to sometimes try to talk at the 30,000 foot level and we really need to get down in the weeds. But it, it essentially, it's like, all right, just how can, what can I learn about you in this? Mm-hmm. How can I become more like you in this? And how can I show you off in mm-hmm. this? Right? Um, Paul talked about the fellowship of Jesus's sufferings. And what's fascinating, we're talking about identity. Uh, Peter does a marvelous job, but we're, we're going to see as we continue to make our way through chapter two, is that Peter is really the one in the New Testament that lets us know that Isaiah 53 is about Jesus and his identity is the suffering servant. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that's Jesus's identity as the, as the suffering servant. So when I, so suffering is certainly unwanted and it's not something that we're pursuing. Um, it's not, suffering isn't something to, to celebrate. And yet it is a part of Jesus's identity and when I'm experiencing pain and suffering, I have the opportunity to better understand him hmm. and to experience him in a way that I can't when things are always when things are pleasant. And so, Jesus, what can I learn about you? What can I how how do you want to use this moment to shape my character to cause me to be less less self-centered, less self-assertive, more gentle, more patient? Um, to actively place my own agenda and preferences beneath 
your agenda and preferences. So I, I think that anytime, anytime we're in a position like that, that's an opportunity mm-hmm. um, to leverage that moment for those things. Can I give an example from, from my own recent yeah. uh, past here that isn't really about suffering necessarily, sure. but just how I felt this kind of play out for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had the, the fun of getting to host the services this last weekend. And on Saturday night, um, I just, I was tired. I hadn't slept well that that mm-hmm. night before. I was in that place where I felt like I couldn't get my tongue and my brain to work in partnership with each other. And Okay. When you were on the stage, it, that is happening. It is... It is, it is, you are living death. Right? I mean, it is a nightmare <laughs> so that you just want to escape. And you're like, everyone's looking at me. How do I yeah. get out of this moment? Yeah. And the more you feel it, the worse it gets. Yeah. But that's yeah. where I was Saturday night. And I was just feeling stupid. And I don't even remember what I said, but I remember the feeling in the moment was, I sound stupid right now. And oh, everyone's yeah. going to think I'm yeah. an idiot. Yeah. I can't do this. And as I was walking down, I, yeah. I, I kind of cut where you were sitting. I'm like, oh, Rick's going to be so frustrated with me. Not that you've ever expressed that, but just that was how I was feeling. Sure, and yeah. For the the song between the host segment and when the sermon started, I was just playing this track in my head of yep. like, what are you doing? You can't mm-hmm. do this. And and when you started your sermon with the first line being something along the lines of, what's the story you're telling yourself about yourself? I realized how deeply I was finding significance and security and oh, satisfaction, yeah. Oh, yeah. not in Jesus in that moment, but in all kinds of other things and trying to to mm. portray myself a certain way or, or things. And I had to really wrestle through that while you were preaching this message mm. and spent some good time on Saturday evening processing that. Like, yeah. what does it look like to be doing host announcements for Jesus for the sake of Christ? Oh, and, yeah. And not oh, for yeah. anyone else. And it was a totally different experience Sunday morning as I was consciously thinking, mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what anyone thinks of me. I'm not doing this to try to be a certain person. I'm just doing what God's asked me to do, and I want to do that in a way that brings Him glory. And I had so much fun Sunday morning. It was a drastically different experience Sunday and Saturday night. And so for me, that was a fun way of seeing this play out in a practical way. You know, I think part of the part of the Christian life, part of growth, is you have we have to learn how to interrogate ourselves. It's so asking ourselves the question, what's the story I'm telling myself about myself right now? That's important. And that that's just, that's the entry point, right? And so if you're like, I don't want to look stupid, why is my goal to not look stupid? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Nobody wants to look stupid. I never want to look stupid, but, but what's going on there? If I'm going to get vulnerable about me, probably my greatest insecurity is to be told that I'm not smart enough. Mm-hmm. That is that is a that is a that is a insecurity that is always nipping at my heels, and I always have to preach the gospel to myself about that. But um, but it is a fundamentally different thing to stand up on the stage and to do announcements. And like my goal is, you know what? I reject the goal to not. I'm not aiming at trying not to look stupid. How can I help people feel welcomed yeah. right now? And help them to want to connect with the thing I'm sharing with them, and I—that's something I had to go through because I, I used to hate doing. I years ago, I, I used to hate doing the the welcome and announcements, and I was just like, I just feel like it's so easy to sound like a dummy up here during this. And when I I had to get to the point where it's not about me, and my insecurities make so much stuff about me, right? And maybe this is maybe well, this my the, my Saturday night what experience was that? It was sure. I don't want to sound stupid, yeah. And Sunday it was. 
I really care about the people in our church, mm-hmm. and we have good things here that I want yeah, for them. And absolutely. I, and it was it was an outflow of wanting good for yeah. our church yeah. rather than a focus on me. So, you know, as we go back to, we were talking about suffering and hurt and discomfort and all of those things, this is an opportunity for it to stop being about me. Mm-hmm. You can, this is your opportunity to help disentangle me from self-interest. And how can I be about others mm-hmm. right now? How can I be about you? How can I be about others instead of being about me? I'm a huge fan of my own comfort. I love comfort. I think comfort's awesome. <laughs> it does feel good, doesn't it? <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. I've got uh, I've got my favorite coffees that I like to drink. I've got uh, uh, my wife buys me these manly candles that I like to have in my office, and, <laughs> and you know and this. And that is fun, Rick. Trivia, probably not everyone knows that you often have scented candles going yeah, in your office manly all week long. Scented <laughs> candles, like you know, like bourbon and leather. That's I, how do you make a candle that smells like bourbon and leather? I don't know, but that's like one that my wife will buy for me. And I just love, like, I love all these different, you know, I just like to feel cozy and I, and I like to feel, I like to feel uh, comfortable and that can be a deep idol of the heart mm. comfort. There's nothing wrong with comfort, but when that becomes the thing that I'm aiming for, oh my goodness, then certainly discomfort hurts suffering really challenge that. Well, what am I really living for? What is, what is my, what's my top card? Mm-hmm. If it's going to be Jesus, then I've got to be okay. I got to be okay with giving up my, giving up my comfort at times. So comfort and, mm-hmm. and some of these things that we've been talking about are somewhat good things, but we can also have some bad things in us that come out when we are squeezed. Uh, sure. First one of first Peter two mm-hmm. starts off, therefore rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Yeah. And you presented these as kind of this vice list of things that we need to address mm-hmm. and that these are mm-hmm. often things that do come out of us when yeah, they do. we have the wrong top card and That's we're right. being squeezed. When we feel threatened, right? Especially when we feel like other people have more power than us and we don't, there's bad things, difficult things going on in our life and we, we don't have the resources we think we need to stop it. These are these are easy go-to moves. Mm-hmm. So, so you clearly made the point. Mm-hmm. We need to do what Peter is telling us to do here. We need to yes. get rid of these things. But can you give us some practical steps here on this one as well? What does it look like to rid ourselves of this list? I think there's an there's an element here of understanding and experiencing mm-hmm. the gospel in this. But but when you feel these things kind of welling up inside of you, or you realize after the fact, you know that wasn't really the full truth. I was being a little deceitful in that moment. Okay, let's talk about that one. Let's talk about that one. Well, why were you... Let's just remember what I said before. Let's interrogate ourselves. Well, why were we not honest? What insecurity is driving that? Mm. What what am I trying to protect here? Mm -hmm. We're trying to protect something. There's some sort of insecurity that's driving that. Because if people knew the truth, what are you afraid of? And what is that what do you, what do you think what do you think is mm. going to happen? Yeah, there it's, is great it, health in recognizing yeah. what's underneath these behaviors. That's right, and so it could feel like it. Some of the things that that are going on in that moment is probably what's happening is the thing that you're really living for, the thing that you're convinced makes you secure and significant, is going to give you fulfillment in life, is under threat, and you've mm. got to protect it. Mm-hmm. And so you're you're so you're engaging in a little bit of deceit. Maybe you are having a casual relationship with the truth. Maybe you are just flat out being dishonest and lying because you're trying to protect that thing. Mm-hmm. But, when you rem- but when you're able to pivot, it's like, oh, I'm totally secure in Christ. And he is the one that makes me secure. I'm held by his power, not my own. And he is 
It's, it's the life in him that is satisfying and is fulfilling when there's something about me that I don't like and it's exposed by others. I don't, I don't lose significance. I don't lose secure. I don't lose any of that. I have everything that I need to be able to face that. I don't have to hide. I can stare down that insecurity. One time somebody asked me, what, what do you think is really that, that holds us back from really engaging our sin and, and to really growing? And I said, I, I think it's, we've got to face down our insecurities. Mm. It's, that's, what, that's what's going on. We are not trust. It's those moments we're not trusting Jesus to fulfill his promises to us. Mm-hmm. We think we got to go to something else. There's wisdom in scripture mm-hmm. on every page, and it's fun oh, yeah. to see the wisdom in scripture that come that was being declared to us thousands of years before mm-hmm. modern culture and modern psychology is saying it now. But a, a lot of the the current understanding of the best way to rid ourselves of a bad behavior is not just to focus on trying to eliminate something that's that's unhelpful or unhealthy yeah. in our lives, but to replace it with something good, and uh, and to point to something better. Oh, yeah. And so it's it's cool that. Uh, in this chapter, Peter talks about ridding ourselves of these bad things, but then in the next verse, right away, yeah. it's now crave pure crave. spiritual milk. Here's the good thing that yeah. you fill yourself with instead. Something that I wanted to include, I just didn't have, I just didn't have the space and time to include it, is that repentance is less about removing a desire and more about replacing it. Mm-hmm. And it's about when we really see Jesus and understand Him, and we long for Him. The, the craving for those other things go down as our craving for him mm-hmm. goes up. Yeah, It's eclipsed by something way better. I remember when I was a kid, uh, I, was, I was a young teenager, and uh, my, my parents were coming out of a very strict, uh, very fundamentalist church culture. And they were taught things like, if the music gets to your foot before it gets to your heart, it's a sin, right? That's, <laughs> oh my. that's strict, super, super, wow. super, super strict. Like if you want to, if you want to know a little bit about how I was raised, I wasn't allowed to play with He-Man as a kid because Jesus is the master of the universe. <laughs> so people think I'm joking when I say that. That is true. Um, so, but one time, my, my mom she recognized, okay, this is not working. This is this is this is this is not right. And I remember she she told my dad when we were kind of in a debate. I wanted to have. I'm going to date myself here. I wanted a Petra tape. Oh yeah. I wanted I, I wanted I wanted to listen to Petra. And my dad was trying to navigate the way that he was raised, and it had guitars and and drums, and you know that's only the devil's music had that. <laughs> And, Petra was the, your devil's music. Oh yeah! Oh my goodness! <laughs> wow. And I remember that my mom said, "We can't just take things away; we have to replace them." Uh huh. And because when we just rid ourselves of something, all it, it just leaves a void. Yeah. Right. It's it's replacing. Yeah. And so we're all going to be craving something, and we're all trying to satisfy this deep craving. Uh, that we have, and it's only found in Christ. Mm. He is the only one that truly satisfies. All good gifts come from him, and we should enjoy the gifts that he gives, but it's not the gifts that satisfy. It's him who satisfies. Mm-hmm. And I just love I just love the genius that, uh, that Peter displays. All right, we're going to get rid of this. We're craving the true grace mm-hmm. of God. So talk some more about, as he, he says it, like newborn babies. And I'm almost hesitant to mention babies again. You're going to get all doughy-eyed. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm over it. I'm right. over it. But to crave pure spiritual milk. Yeah. And uh, so talk a little bit more about what that looks like. 
What what is pure spiritual milk? You gave you gave kind of a general. I gave, 50, I gave a broad because I'm listening answer. to and reading a lot of different scholars on what they're trying to debate. You know what what does it mean? And and I really think it's just anything and everything that communicates and celebrates what the true grace of God is. Absolutely, it's going to include scripture that can never be, I can never be um, separated. Uh, from that, but there are all kinds of other things too that help remind us of that and and and, and encourage us to go back to that. Uh, who sell the things that celebrate that um, for us? And uh, I think it, you know, you know, I think about the time that Paul wrote, you know, whatever is lovely and good. I mean, think about think mm-hmm. about those think about those things. And so it could be all kinds of it could be all kinds of different things. I mean, what, what is Could it you that, speak right now to maybe the person who's saying, I want to crave those things, but I just don't? Sure. How, how can we whet our appetite, especially when we're maybe not feeling in a place of craving? Yeah, what I would say is that's a great place to be in. And my prayer would be this. If I'm you, this is my prayer. God, I want to want to. Mm-hmm. God, I just, I just want to want to. And um, that is that – is, it's a craving – we can nurture cravings, right? And in the same way that we can uh, diminish a craving, we can also nurture it and grow a craving. And I would just say, spend time just reading, reading God's word. If you want some help with that, I would go to the Bible Project. I love, mm-hmm. I love the resources that they make available. Um, if there's a particular pastor who you who you trust, who who's got a helpful has got a helpful podcast. There, there are lots of guys that I that I like to that I like to listen to. Um, uh, for that, I was listening to a podcast called Theology in the Raw by Preston Sprinkle on my way in. Mm, I enjoyed that one too. And, oh my goodness, yeah, there's there's so many good things. And be around other people. I want to just let me go back to this idea of community that that Peter says that when we're in Christ, we are living stones and we're being built into a spiritual house. We're not just scattered rocks. Mm. We're being built into something special by mm. God, and we're intended to be together. It's so be with others, be with others who are on the same journey. Does that get at you? You had mentioned a line that went by pretty quickly about um, understanding our identity as a collective identity rather mm-hmm. than just an individual identity, which is hard to conceptualize in the land of the free here. Yeah, in, in the U.S., we are very individualistic. We, we're we live in a hyper individualistic culture, and it's hard. It's really, really hard um, to to understand yeah. what it means to have a community identity. Um, so how can we better understand that as part of our collective identity in Christ? Is it is it this this nature of being integrated into good Christ-centered community? I've got uh, impractical, impractical ideas. Okay. One, go to Africa. Oh. Um, <laughs> any chance you have to to join us on a mission trip to uh, to West Africa, do that. Mm. Um, you'll see, you'll see the you'll see community identity mm-hmm. lived out up close and personal. I got to experience the same thing when I was in, when I was in India. Um, but intentionally put yourself in community, mm. join, join a small group or something like a small group and intentionally, intentionally put yourself with others where you're, you're living life together and you make commitments to each other mm. and you hold each other to those commitments and you encourage each other and you share um, with each other. 
you you just you got to do it in some ways it's like running how do you get better at running you run sure how do you get mm-hmm. better at community put yourself in community and just do community together mm-hmm. so this chapter ends with a theme burst for our right. entire series here uh, but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation god's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light mm, yeah I'm just wondering what that verse inspires in you, what uh, what that verse is going to do to propel us into the rest of this series. Well, I guess people might have to stay tuned <laughs> to find out. Uh, join us on Saturday night or Sunday morning, uh, or, or whether in person or online, uh, to be a part of that. But that's where we're going to pick up this coming weekend. Nice with with that, and um, I'll give you I'll give you a little teaser. Here's something that I'm thinking about a lot. It's something I've been reading about a lot, thinking a lot about over the past year or so is um, nationalism. We are called to be a holy nation and we are called to be God's people who live for his purposes, not our own. We're set apart. Mm -hmm. That's primarily what holiness is is about. We're set apart for something different, not ourselves, but for him, but for him and our and so I think sometimes, I think sometimes believers with good intentions misunderstand what God's purpose is. Our purpose is not to try to build holy nations, but to be a holy nation. Mm. Mm-hmm. We That's already are that. He makes us that. And we want to call people into that. We want to represent that well. And we want to call people into Christ so they can be part of his of his holy nation. It doesn't mean that we don't love our country. We absolutely do. It doesn't mean that we don't engage in politics. I think we absolutely should. Um, It doesn't mean that we shrink away and hide. Never. We are going to be out and we're going to be engaged and we're going to love, be loving people well as representatives of what it means to be a people of God in such a way that they would see how great he is. And this is is one of the things that that I shared. I I think I want to talk about more uh, this coming weekend is experiencing what we are like should be a glimpse of what Jesus is like. Mm. That stops me dead in my tracks. Okay, how I live and Mm -hmm. how I engage Mm -hmm. is massively important. Experiencing what we are like should should be an indicator, should be a glimpse into, should help other people see what Jesus is like. That's powerful because when you start to think about Mm -hmm. the context of this, when we're squeezed, what Mm -hmm. is inside of us is what comes out. So if Mm. we're engaging with people, Mm. we want to be so filled with Christ that in all of these interactions, Mm -hmm. it's Christ that's coming out. The thing that that the people share in common, all the people who I know, who I admire, all the people that you admire, all the people that everybody listened to us that they admire, the people who are squeezed, Christ-likeness comes out of them. They are people who cherish God's word mm-hmm. and are in community. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not solo Christians. Mm. Well, I'm craving that. I want to let's let's finish up here cuz okay. I want to go experience more of that. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. I look forward to next week. Me too.